2: Welcome to Unheard. I'm Florence Reed. School boards don't often make the news, but we've found something quite interesting that happened last week in San Francisco. A group of parents have put a huge amount of pressure on the San Francisco school board an elected body to have three members recalled for their handling of the COVID pandemic, and they've won. The three members of the board have been kicked off, and I wanted to meet some of the parents who were involved in this pressure project. Shiva Raj, Autumn Leon, and Anshu, join me now. I'd love for you to just tell me where this all began. Shiva got this email.
3: Yeah, I, I get this email from the school district. It's a long one and but somewhere at the bottom is this bullet point that says, middle and high school kids and i gonna go back to school this whole year. And my older son you know, was in high school and he had really struggled through the pandemic. He went from being an honor student to being rock bottom in terms of grades, but more than his academic. Uh, performance for, for me, what worried me most was his mental health. I, he was borderline depressed, barely getting out of bed, you know, not even eating two meals a day, and you know, essentially staring at a blank screen, which is what you know his school experience was for those months. And so, so I was really desperate for him to get back, um, even a few days. And to hear that the school district had no plan and no intent to bring them back was a little like you know, uh, shook shook me up basically.
2: That year had all been online.
3: That's right. So San Francisco had stayed virtual all through since March 2020.
2: Why had that happened in San Francisco? Were there particularly high levels of COVID in the city? What was it about San Francisco that was keeping kids out of school?
0: San Francisco actually had the lowest COVID rates of any major city, which is why it was so frustrating.
3: Yeah, and I think a lot kind of, I mean, the school district has managed to reopen in October when COVID rates permitted them to, had done the work in the summer of 2020, right? So, you know, they had to retrofit the schools. I mean, some of these schools buildings are old, of course. And so, you know, there was work needed to be done to retrofit them, to make sure that, you know, we could they could now comply with the new guidelines uh, for COVID. Um, and the
0: school board had turned down a reopening consultant who was going to make that plan for them. And it turned out without the reopening consultant, they had no plan to open the schools and they just kind of let things slide.
3: Exactly. So, I mean, there's this very famous, you know, uh, exchange, this school board meeting where the, you know, the superintendent of the school district who is the uh, who runs the whole system, you know, he and his team have come up with this reopening consultant after searching. Uh, This is funded by grant, grant money. So it's actually free to the school district to hire this reopening consultant. And, you know, and they're saying basically they're begging and pleading with the school board to hire this person saying that, hey, if you don't, this is going to be a body blow to our efforts to reopen. We just won't be able to make up for this. And the school board members just dismissed this and this consultant. They came up with all kinds of excuses as to why
2: why didn't they why didn't they hire this consultant then they said
0: two things one was that the consultant had worked with charter schools in the past and there's a big controversy about having charter schools in the district um, as part of the public school system um, and the the teachers union here is very much against charter schools because they can drain away um, students which means the teachers in the public schools lose their jobs so they were concerned this person did work for both types of schools um, their other concern was something about
3: uh, they were also concerned that it would create white supremacy culture in San Francisco. I mean, I think both of the excuses were vague and, you know, hip- hypocritical. I mean, Alison Collins, one of the commissioners, who was being recalled. Actually, used to consult for charter schools herself, right? And so it it really does. You know, we still don't understand exactly why. I mean, they kept, came up with all of these vague reasonings and ideological excuses, but in reality, it looked like they just didn't want to do the work to reopen.
2: Anne, can you tell me a little bit about your situation? Did you have a child in these in these public schools in San Francisco then? I have twin boys in 10th grade in high school. And during that
1: year of 2020-21, the school year, they had just started ninth grade in a new high school. And they're fraternal twins, so they're very different. One was okay with the um, distance learning, online school. The other one was a disaster. Much like what Shiva said about his son, mine was not depressed, but he was just uh, playing video games 15 hours a day, every day for like 18 months. And uh, his uh, grades were C, D, borderline F. <laughs> and uh, it was just uh, terrible. And I I had to uh, kind of swoop in and make sure he didn't fail. I said, okay, that goal was just to not fail for this year. And I spent a whole lot of time working with him every day. And while I was doing that, I thought, you know, I have the time and the circumstances to work with him on this. What about other kids? What about other parents? And that's when I started paying attention. Also around um, December 2020, January 2021, just to see what the school district was planning to do whether they're opening schools or trying some other way to solve the problem. And what I found was that they didn't recognize the problem. They didn't think it was a problem. They didn't think there was a problem. And that probably goes to explaining why they didn't want to do anything. They didn't think it was a problem to have kids
2: go to school online for an extended period of time. So was it more than COVID? Was there anything else there that got you worried about what was happening in San Francisco schools? <laughs> the more I looked, the more
1: worrying I was.
3: I started logging on to these school board meetings, and man, they would go on for hours. I mean, you know, the average length was about seven hours, right? And reopening was the last item of the agenda. They had a whole bunch of other things going on. And around the same time, you know, we hear the news about how they were planning to rename 44 schools in the district, right? which is literally half the schools.
2: What were they planning on renaming them? So what were some examples of the names of the schools and what were they trying to change them to?
0: We don't know what they were trying to change them to, but they were trying to rename George Washington High, Lincoln High, Um, a school named after our state, our senator, Dianne Feinstein, who was the first female mayor of San Francisco.
3: Yeah. I mean, this was really a rush through process. You know, someone did an analysis locally and said something like 30 percent of the historical references was wrong or incorrect. Um, You know, for example, they thought, you know, they want to rename Paul Mm -hmm. Rivier school because they thought he had fought the Penobscot Indians turned out he had actually Participate in a Penobscot campaign against the British.
2: This renaming was sometimes framed as a social justice issue. So it was people related to issues of racism. Is that is that the reason they gave?
3: Racism, colonialism, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And so those were kind of the broad brushstroke parameters that they used, but they really didn't seem to have paid attention to actually researching the history behind many of these individuals. Um, yeah. yeah.
0: One guy, they tried to rename his school because of something that had been done by his foundation after he was dead.
3: Right. So and yeah. And and so and, you know, keep it keep aside kind of just the way the thing was done, which was absolutely, um, you know, flawed process. Right. They didn't consult with the community that was actually going to be affected. The school community didn't get involved in this thing. The research was wrong. They used Wikipedia and this, you know, so many, so many errors. But the timing was terrible. I mean, here we are, you know, the house is on fire and, you know, they're tinkering around in the basement. I mean, that's how it falls. I mean, we had such deep-seated anxiety about what was happening with our kids every day at school and the school district and the school board seemed so disconnected.
0: Yeah, I mean, parents calling in sobbing, asking them to help with the closed schools and instead they decided to rename
2: them. Was there anything else there that kind of piqued your interest when you looked into what was happening inside those school board meetings?
3: Well, second and bigger issue was that they just didn't have a plan. Uh, They hadn't done any of the work to reopen. So, uh, you know, so the, the, the MOU with the teachers union was not signed, right? This was Jan, Feb, 2021. Not a single school site was ready for reopening, even as late as Feb, 2021. The, uh, the testing infrastructure was not in place. They did the RFQ for that in Feb 2021, and it was only approved in March. So you know, in Jan 2021, when parents were crying, you know, 58% of the families wanted their kids to return, including from underprivileged backgrounds, especially if you're, you know, if you're an essential worker, if you're a single parent, you're working outside and don't have the luxury of working from home like many of us had, man, you were, you were really struggling, and your kids were falling far and far behind. And we could see that in the data. We could see that in the data, that the disadvantaged kids were the ones who fall in the furthest behind. And here's a school board that talks about social justice and racial equity 300 times a second and yet cannot reckon with the fact that its actions are actually, you know, resulting in the most underprivileged kids falling furthest behind. And so they were so caught up in symbolic stuff, unwilling to do the actual practical things that needed to be done.
2: Anne, could you tell me a little bit about why there's been such a high proportion of Chinese-American people? speaking up against the school board in San Francisco. Siva talked about the reopening of schools
1: as one of the biggest issues. A second one, and one that's in particular of importance to Asian Americans and Chinese Americans, is the Lowell High School merit-based admissions process that was cancelled hurriedly by the the Board of Education. So Lowell High School is a very famous high school that is merit-based here in San Francisco. Um, there, are, I believe there's 16 high schools. Um, two of them have some sort of criteria. Low is one with um, academic criteria, and another one,
2: School of the Arts. Does merit-based mean that there's an admissions test to get into the school?
1: Correct, correct. The rest of the public high schools, you get randomly assigned. We call it the lottery system. Okay, so only two of them have some sort of criteria. One is academic-based. One is um, arts. Uh, performance space. The rest of the 14 high schools are random. So the board of education, I think it was in February or maybe January, they rushed through. They didn't agendize the uh, the the topic correctly. They were going to talk about what racism at Lowell High School, but then at the meeting they actually passed a resolution to remove the merit-based criteria. Like what? Is that the same thing? Is racism or existence or potential existence of racism at Lowell. Is that the same thing as removing the merit-based criteria? So they snuck it through. um, But there were some parents who protested, uh, and they just didn't listen, and they they just passed it. And that really, really angered the Asian-American community because it was squarely aimed at lowering the percentage of Asian students at Lowell High School, which was slightly over... 50%, Fifty percent, maybe fifty-six or something like that. That was the whole point of removing that merit-based criteria was to lower the percentage of Asians, and that just was—we um, just felt very disrespected, <laughs> we discriminated against, and that really angered um, the the Asian parents because education to Asians. I can't think of a, <laughs> another issue that is more central and important to the Asian uh, community.
2: How could they justify then removing that merit-based system if it was it seemed to be doing very well for Asians in San Francisco? How could they justify that through the lens of reducing racism in the school? How, how did they make sense of that? I have no idea,
3: <laughs> you guys. <laughs> well, I think the, the reason why they wanted to think with the Merit-based admission policies, because the percentage of Black and Latino kids in the school system is lower than in the in, in Lowell is lower than the school district. So that is that is the reason why um, they wanted to, you know, work with the admission system. Now, just to kind of give background, Lowell is not 100% merit-based. It's about 60% merit, and about 40% actually is admitted based on other criteria, including you know, targeting middle schools that have traditionally, you know, had uh, more disadvantaged kids coming through. So it's not a hundred percent med-based system, right?
2: So there's. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans
3: and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify.
2: With the Olive & June Manny system, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny system with code PERFECTManny20 at oliveandjune.com slash PERFECTManny20. That's PERFECTManny20 at oliveandjune.com slash PERFECTManny20. Already
3: been ways to bring those kids into, into Lowell. Um, The the real challenge, though, is that, you know, San Francisco actually, if you step back, has one of the highest disparities in educational outcome between white and Asian kids and black and Latino kids across the state of California. Right. And it's a function of a bunch of things. But fundamentally, it's a function of the fact that we don't provide enough support at the elementary and middle school level. So by the time they come into a a high school like Lowell, you know, not enough kids are able to qualify for the school district. Well, that school because they just haven't had the support they needed at the time they needed.
0: Yeah so you end up with kids who are at the high school level who still can't read and admitting them to Lowell doesn't do any good because they can't take advantage of the of the classes there.
3: Right I mean I could be good at math um, but if you put, in, put me in an advanced math program I may not be able to cope with it right and then I'm going to walk back thinking I suck at math right and so it's actually counterproductive for a kid who is you know, not ready for that advanced coursework to push them into that advanced coursework. So there's a lot of complex, I think Lowell, you know, the whole admissions issue, and you know, is there's a lot of complexity around it. And there's a lot of nuance, which I think the school district basically refused to acknowledge. And so they pushed this through in five days, without really consulting with the community. And therefore, you know, and therefore the people in the community felt completely unheard.
2: Okay, but they are redistributing the uh, assets of San Francisco school system. And yet, Still, we don't have kids going to school. Is, is that right?
3: Uh, exactly. At the same time. So, right. so are, your, are, your kids, are your
2: kids currently at home? Are they, are they at home right now?
3: No, they're back to school. Uh, so Midland High went back to school in the fall of 2021. So August 2021. So, and we were the only school district uh, the, among top 25 cities in America, which did not bring Midland High School kids back that entire academic year. Despite having the lowest COVID rates across those comparable
2: cities. And are your children back at school? Yes, yes. We all went back this school year, which is 2021 fall. And how how long were they out for? Um, How long were they doing their home learning for? March 2020 to August 2021. Almost 18 months. And when your children going into school now? Do they have to wear masks? Do they have to social distance when they're in the classroom? What are the rules in in San Francisco at the moment? Only masks
3: masks indoor,
2: yeah. So there's the mask mandate. The California mask mandate is still is still running. For kids. For kids, but not for adults. Not anymore. Right. And what's the justification for that? Is that only children spread COVID in California? Or
3: (laughs) it's a good question. Um, I think what the state has said is that it's going to review that by 28. So it's a couple of days away from doing that and seeing if you need that outdoor mask mandate also applied to kids, but it's not the case anymore.
2: Okay, so let's talk about the recall itself. So we've got all of these different factors kind of building up. Um, We've got the COVID closures of schools, and then this slightly strange juggling of priorities with the school board talking a lot about racism in San Francisco schools when kids aren't even being able to go into school to, to learn. So we've got these weird juggling priorities going on. At what point do you get involved?
0: Well, Chiba and I on Valentine's Day over a plate of brownies were like, we've tried everything to get the school board to behave and to focus on what needs to be done. Um, and none of it has worked. I mean, the city even sued the school districts. None of it has actually resulted in the schools getting open or the school district making plans to reopen them. So what is there possibly left to do? And we saw that another school district had started a recall effort. Two weeks later, all the kids were back in school. So we're like, great, we'll start a recall effort. And yeah. two weeks later, the kids will be back in school.
2: <laughs>
0: um, so we announced on a local blog that we were going to run a recall. And... One week later, we had 7,000 people on our mailing list and over 1,000 people in our Facebook group. Um, We were new to town, and so we didn't know a lot of people, so we had to crowdsource the entire thing. But it was something that so many parents in San Francisco wanted and so many community members in San Francisco wanted that our knowing, like, three people in the city was not a problem because every time we needed something, someone would step up to help.
3: Yeah. I mean, at that point, it was obvious a lot of frustrated parents. I mean, we had done protests on the streets, et cetera. Not, nothing seemed to move the needle. Uh, and we were actually thinking somebody else would do this. And so we, you know, we reached out talking to others, and nobody seemed to be interested. Everybody thought it was impossible. People involved in politics generally don't like doing stuff, I guess, that seems very likely to fail. <laughs> <laughs> so they want to kind of pick up stuff that looks likely to succeed. And, so, and we were like, it doesn't matter if it's going to succeed or not. We've got to do this. Right. And it's really important for our kids. And, you know, it didn't matter what the outcomes were. I mean, we were determined to make it win, but the outcomes really didn't matter.
2: And you did end up winning by a massive margin. But the head of the Board of Supervisors said that you were all closet Republicans. And um, that was the, the phrase that he used to describe all of the parents who had mobilized um, to create the recall. I don't want to pry into your own personal politics, but are you closet Republicans?
0: no <laughs> um if, if that's an awful lot of closet republicans for san francisco
3: <laughs> we don't have that <laughs> big a closet here <laughs> and San Francisco, we pride ourselves on coming out of the closet not staying inside <laughs> <laughs> i think you know it's, it just shows that there's been a tendency in the city to call anyone who you disagree with uh, racist white supremacist republican these are all swear words in san francisco and that's what, you know, the board, president of the Board of Supervisors has done. Instead of acknowledging the fact that he and his friends on the school board have let down every kid in our city, he wants to, you know, blame it on other people. He and his friends are responsible for this mess. And it's about time elected leaders in San Francisco who are responsible for this mess actually stand up and say, we fucked up. I'm sorry. We will do better. That's what I want to hear from people like him. Not try to blame it, pass the blame on to other people. Acknowledge the, the this is affecting our children. This is going to handicap so many of our children for the rest of their lives. And about time that you stand up and said, I'm sorry, this is not acceptable. We, we, we screwed up and we will do better.
2: Anne, I'd like to just direct one question to you. Um, Commissioner Collins um, had a, a tweet from 2016 that was unearthed um, saying that uh, Asian-American parents were mobilizing a kind of white supremacy, um, benefiting off white supremacy by being white adjacent is the kind of phrase that you sometimes hear people using. I just want to know what you think about that. Right, I think that was the fuel on top of the fire of the low fire. That was the
1: fuel to add on top of that. The Asian-Americans really felt uh, completely, um, (sighs) what is the word? (laughs) Even more angry than before. Um, that to see such blatant racism from someone who's calling us racists. That is such irony. So that just added fuel to the fire. And for me personally, I think I listened to two board meetings, those those seven hour long board meetings and then I had enough. I was not going to listen anymore because it was a waste of my time and I was going to put all my efforts into just kicking them out because it was obvious that they were not going to listen to anybody. So why should we listen to them, just kick them out?
2: And you did, you kicked them out and three of them are now gone. Um, It was the three who were able to be recalled because you have to sit on the uh, board for long enough to be able to be recalled. Would you have kicked them all out if if you had the power? Yes. (laughs)
3: Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think the mood of the streets was very much that this was a collective failure of the school board. I mean, granted, one or two of them had just shined new. And so, you know, and I think one of them definitely seems to have set himself apart from the rest of the board in terms of the decisions he made. Uh, but clearly, the people, you know, didn't see enough of that differentiation between the members. And they felt it was a collective responsibility of the school board for this mess.
1: You know, it's not a matter of um, whether the person is nice uh, or a honorable person. I just think collectively they are not competent for their jobs. They could be nice people, they could be competent for other jobs, but not for this
2: one. Some people in the media have tried to portray this as a a movement against Black Lives Matter, against wokeism, as they call it against the idea of critical race theory in schools. Um, But there, Anne, you're talking about basic incompetence of the school board in San Francisco, particularly. How much of this do you feel is a culture war and how much of it is specifically about San Francisco's failing schools?
3: So, (laughs) you know, there's this old Indian story called Four Blind Men and the Elephant. And I think the response to this is very much along the lines. And everyone takes away whatever he or she is predisposed to take away. And I think on the ground level, what you're saying is that you know much of the issues are local right i mean we have i think fundamentally it's a governance failure it's not even a competence failure right it's a governance failure where you have elected leaders who basically have completely disregarded the needs of the constituents they elected to serve that is foundationally the failure there and of course at a second level there is also the competence to actually run these school beatings in a way that actually you know delivers the goods so it, foundationally that's the failure here and they've had their own agendas their own priorities so disconnected from the realities of the people they elected to serve right and then of course you know some of it is you know they've had that if they got elected to office it means that the people were broadly okay with their ideology it's not an ideological battle we were not trying to shift the ideological balance from left to right to right to left it's really to you know lift a school district that's fallen to rock bottom and make sure that we can put it on a positive trajectory once more
2: all seven members were were democrats weren't they of the school board do you think Do you think this this is going to open up the potential for there to be a Republican member of a school board in San Francisco, which is, I imagine, a year ago, completely unthinkable? Do Do you think that might happen?
3: I mean, San Francisco is eighty six percent Democratic. I think Republicans, you know, I I some exist in the city, <laughs> for you sure. Just, just but, have to find yeah. them. Exactly.
2: Yeah.
3: So I, I yeah. think.
1: Yeah, um, I want to say that I don't want to represent the whole Asian (laughs) community, but really what's important is somebody who really takes education seriously, who is not looking to build a political career from this Board of Education seat. It's not a stepping stone. Just focus on the education and get us all back on the right track. That's the type of person that way. And someone who can actually do it, who has demonstrated some competence, maybe not in education, but somewhere, right? And ideally a parent who really knows what it's like to raise kids in San Francisco. So we have, you know, lots of these kind of criteria and we really want a good people who really care about the kids and do that instead of their own political careers.
2: It sounds a bit like you Anne. Is there any chance that you might run? <laughs> We are rooting for Anne. <laughs> <laughs> I feel quite optimistic actually at the end of that. I think there is there is hope yet for San Francisco schools. I think what's what's so gratifying
3: is to see 75% of the city, almost 80% of the city come together. And that is incredible. It doesn't happen in local races in San Francisco, which are, you know, knife fight in a phone booth typically.
2: So congratulations to all three of you on the recall. and. Um, I hope that your kids are now enjoying their time back in school and that this next year can be a more positive one than the last.
0: Thank you.
3: It has to
2: be. (laughs) (laughs) It has to be. It has to be. Lovely to meet you all. Thank you so much. So there we have it. Shiva, Autumn and Anne, who have all played quite a strong part in the future of the San Francisco school system. I do hope that things get better for them and for their children. Thanks to you for watching. This was Unheard.